welcome back to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Ryan, and that's Matt. Hey, Matt, I have a life pass. Vroom, 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 vroom. And we are not alone. It's not just me, my life pass, and Matt's motorcycle, but we are joined by TFT guitar correspondent Mark Lee. Mark, it ain't a sin to win. Well, I'm sitting here on my pentatonic killing floor. Whatever that means. We'll explain it in a moment. We will. And what we are, if you don't know those lyrics or song titles, uh, you have not listened to Turn to Gold uh, by the ba- a band that I am not joking is called Diarrhea Planet. Um, and uh, Diarrhea Planet, uh, you know, a TFT social media uh, guru, uh, Amanda Jorda, uh, asked us, uh, uh, are they famous? Uh, and. <laughs> You know, I, I think that you know they're 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 somewhere between Justin Bieber and complete obscurity. Um, they're they're uh, this uh, turn to gold is definitely a leap um, further into the indie mainstream. Um, they're a band that's been around for a few years. Uh, I believe they're from Nashville, Tennessee, um, and they are um, they're they're known as a band that has uh, four guitarists, um, uh, a, a drummer, and a bass player. So they're they're kind of a punk rock band with four classic rock guitarists. Um, and uh, and this is the most kind of biggest leap forward in terms of production quality, in terms of of kind of being more of a throw throwback kind of band uh, as opposed to being kind of more of a um, a, a, a art piece um, I, I knew, I've known them from a few years ago um, when I saw a video of um, guitar player New York based guitar player uh, Marnie Stern uh, joining them on stage for a live show being the fifth guitarist on that <laughs> stage um, and they collectively uh, turned it up to 11 now at that point uh, with five guitarists on stage you're at least 12 possibly 13 at that point yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so they've been on my radar since then. Um, and so this is this is a, a swing of the pendulum, right? We've um, there have been a lot of the albums of this. Um, of this session uh, have been by Kanye, have been by Beyonce, um, right? We've been doing a lot of these these big uh, blockbuster pop albums. I think we have a few more uh, in this swing, but we've all this is a, a session, uh, um, a quarter that's also had um, the new album from Frankie Cosmos. So we're kind of swinging, uh, the, uh, riding the pendulum back and forth between kind of the top of the Billboard chart. Um, and uh, some of the things that are, let's say, bubbling up from the um, the underground, um, much like a planet made of diarrhea, <laughs> um, which which I would understand. I mean, we I guess we can talk more. We'll talk more about uh, the semiotics of diarrhea planet. But I kind of imagine that that it's a planet, but instead of magma, it's just diarrhea. Um, but I think there are other interpretations. And underground. I'm, I'm sure- so when when the diarrhea erupts from the diarrhea volcanoes on the diarrhea planet. <laughs> When it hits the air, the the hot molten diarrhea, uh, does it become turds? And the 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 hard, cool, crusty surface of the planet is a turd planet, and it's diarrhea underneath. Or is it like a swamp like Dagobah esque planet uh, that just happens to have diarrhea swamps everywhere? I mean, this is a good point. I, I imagine that like it's actually there is. Uh, you're suggesting an entire diarrhea Star Wars. Um, <laughs> where, yeah, where a di- diarrhea planet orbits a diarrhea star. 
which uh, right. isn't a diarrhea galaxy. It's diarrhea. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Um, and so that there is not just a diarrhea um, uh, planet, but there's a diarrhea galaxy. Yeah, there's a, oh, uh, more, more even than that. There's a diarrhea cosmos. You know, there's a whole uh, there are diarrhea black holes. <laughs> Right. So this is, this is, yeah, this is Carl Sagan's Diarrhea Cosmos, right? I'm just going to put a pin in this because you know, I think that really um, this conversation, you need to have listened to the album uh, for this conversation to really land. Uh, so go and listen to Diarrhea Planet's Turn to Gold. Uh, it's, a, it's a quick spin, so you can give it a few spins. Yeah, we talk about use cases. If you own a motorcycle, you know, this, I, I don't know really how <laughs> motorcycle listening, uh, check the laws for listening to music while riding your motorcycle in your jurisdiction uh and then um and then and then ride the motorcycle while while or after ride, listening to this music in the appropriate sequence uh it's good for aerobic activity um anything that kind of gets you pumped up maybe maybe even just play a guitar do some good be be you be the fifth guitarist of diarrhea planet um and uh and and however you kind of but this is a a uh, album that kind of invites participation uh, and engagement in any number of ways. So give it a few spins, uh, engage with it, and meet us back here after this word from our commercial sponsors. Are you waiting around in diarrhea and poop? Oh, God. Yes. Have, have you stepped in dog poop, human poop, whatever poop they have on the street? You're not sure. It's a little big to be dog poop. You're looking at it. You're uncertain about it. You're, you're wondering what you've stepped in. Every day, Matt, and it really gets me down. I know. You live in, in uh, New York City, which is a whole metropolis of poop. You must be a, just a connoisseur of the different kinds of poop you can step in. This is a diarrhea city, indeed. Well, uh, let me tell you about galoshes. You know, we don't know a lot about them here in the United States because we don't wear them that much. But uh, they are rubber boots that cover your whole feet and your ankles and your calves almost up to your knees. They're they're hard to get on and off because you got to like really step and get your feet down in them, but they will protect you from the diarrhea. Will they protect my dress pants from the diarrhea sloshing about the streets? If you tuck your dress pants into the galoshes and uh, pull them up, they will definitely uh, they will definitely do that. Now, uh, uh, hi, I- I'm in Boston and the diarrhea is neck high. Uh, what do do you have anything for me? Well, yes. In addition to our line of galoshes, we have a set of hazmat suits that go. <laughs> All the way up to your neck, including optional helmets in fashionable snapback or dad hat styling to cover uh, your entire body so that even if the diarrhea goes above your head, uh, you will not. You will be like a scuba diver of diarrhea uh, and none of it will get on your fashionable attire. Wow. You know, even if our planet becomes a diarrhea planet, I know that I'll be safe. Galoshes and hazmat suits. It's the name of our company, and it's what we sell. And we're back. Hey, Matt, I have a question for Mark. (laughs) Good. I was hoping that I wouldn't be selfish and take the question. Come at me. Come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. Okay. um, You know, Mark, this diarrhea planet, with their riffs... And their solos, uh, and their slow songs, and their fast songs. Do they have too many guitarists? They have they have just the right amount of guitarists for what they're trying to do. 
And I'm glad you started this because I thought a lot. I thought so much about the implications of having four guitars in a rock band. So let me explain why it is that they have, why, why four is the right amount for what it is that they're trying to do. Okay, so uh, we'll start with um, the number of guitars, let's say one in the band, because that is the first number of guitars that you can have in a band. I suppose you could have zero, but then what are you then? Uh, 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 that, then that's just nonsense. Okay. What, what are you then, Billy Joel? Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Or the Minutemen. <laughs> Okay. They were a punk band with only a bass player and a guitar, or a bass player and drums, but go on. Okay. One guitar, uh, uh, you know, like I say, a power trio like uh, uh, Cream with Eric Clapton or Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble. Um, you have to be a hell of a guitarist to sort of like fill in all the empty spaces around, um, around you as you play by yourself. Two guitars, a very standard sort of thing, right, where you um, have one guitarist playing rhythm, another one playing lead. Uh, a, a canonical example is being ACDC um, with, the, uh, with the Malcolm and Angus Young uh, playing their respective parts and, and really or, stick to that. Or two lead guitars if you're Spinal Tap, right? Two lead guitars if you're Spinal Tap, David St. Hubbins and Nigel Tufnell. Um, three uh, starts to feel a little bit excessive at that point um, where – um, you have, uh, you know, there, there's typical rock music, right? We'll only have the room for those, those two parts, right? Lead guitar can, can cover a lot, um, of different melodic and harmonic possibilities while the rhythm guitar continues to grind away below that. Uh, occasionally we'll open up sort of like two melodic lines with, uh, with, with the third guitarist. Um, often cases, uh, and, uh, you'll see with a band like the Hold Steady, right? That has, uh, sort of has three guitars. Um, one of which was belongs to the lead singer who most of the time didn't play guitar and eventually I think recently just kind of just gave up playing the guitar and just sticks to singing. Right. Uh, so then the second guitarist kind of replaces him, right? So it was, it's a very rare three, three guitar. It's really kind of a two, one, two guitar model goes to a different kind of two guitar model. And then occasionally there's a third, but it's mostly a prop guitar. Right. Right. So here we are at four guitars. Um, at this point, you're kind of going for n- novelty factor or doing it as, uh, frankly, as a bit of a gimmick. <laughs> you know, I thought that one of the questions was going to be this diarrhea planet with the word diarrhea in their name uh, and, and their four guitars. Are they a novelty act? And what did I say? I was answered a qualified yes. Um, yeah. Four guitars is a novelty for sure, right? Like four guitars, that's crazy. No right. band has I, four they're, guitars. They're, right. They're novelty act not because they're zany. They're novelty act because they're novel. Yeah, exactly. And and to be clear, right, the reason why most bands don't have four guitars is because you have uh, highly diminishing returns after uh, after 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 three, right? Um, after two, really, and and you're just continuing to have diminishing returns. Um, and frankly, from a logistical perspective, which I I, I do want to talk about perhaps a little bit more later, um, you know, with from this perspective of like. You know, uh, adding on uh, units of labor and having a um, an organization that you need to to manage and coordinate around um, having that uh, you know two additional guitars beyond what is normal just makes your life a lot more difficult. Right. The complexity. The complexity. I mean, you're talking about the the diminishing returns of adding of the kind of the marginal the marginal value of additional guitars, but uh, the complexity varies. Uh, you know, probably exponentially with the number of guitars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, the doodle pole for organizing the rehearsals has just got to be horrific, right? Um, uh, just well, and they probably have to bump up to a larger class of van for tours, right? Um, and, and you're not getting a lot of additional... Yeah. What you're saying is that you're not getting a lot of additional 
a lot additionally musically by adding that additional guitarist, right? Yeah, and then also more on a more serious note, uh, in, in terms of uh, the payout, right? You know, a, a a you know the the amount of your money you're going to pay a band needs to be spl- split more ways because uh, I would imagine most venues aren't going to uh, you know pay by headcount. You know, the pay sure. By I mean, act. it's a problem with large acts generally, uh, and not. Right, not for guitarists specifically. Yep. I mean, the egos seem to be seem to be the the biggest problem, right? Like, aren't lead guitarists, you know, notoriously prima donnas? Aren't they, Mark? Uh, I might know a thing or two of that having played lead guitar in several bands and wanting to uh, to freaking hog the spotlight. But I'll, I'll, we'll get to that in a second. But just to tie off this thing here, why is this so novel? Why is this special? What's the value of this? There, frankly, is a lot of uh, specialness in having uh, a large band like that on stage. I'll, I'll briefly relate the story of, um, of my brother-in-law who has a large ish uh sort of string orchestra which is small for a string orchestra and that like they put like about a dozen instrumentalists on stage but is enormous um for the types of venues that they play uh where often like a, a four or five piece band will be there um so there's strength in numbers and there's this kind of like you know novel and ridiculous factor of having four guitars there i mean we joked about going up to 11 you know the spinal tap joke um about how uh it, it is it's just like over the top in and of itself and uh that has value Right. It distinguishes them from a crowded marketplace of other guitar driven bands. And if they can own that and if they can carve out that space, I, I say I say more power to them. Does it add uh, a value musically to the complexity of the songs? I don't really think it does, actually. And I, I'd be curious to, to drill down more into that. Um, but those are, 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 are my opening salvos there on, 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 on having four guitars in a band. There's a lot of different places we can take this conversation. So I'll, I'll yield the floor to you guys. There's a few things that uh, I have just like a few responses there. I mean, me- mentioning kind of um, kind of string ensemble. I mean, there is especially when I um, when you start the album, right? And the album starts with an inter- instrumental hard style, and you you get this as a statement of purpose of it's almost an imagining the band as a all guitar string ensemble, right? Yeah. Um, and then there is a little bit of a sense. Where like you you see a vision of the band and it, it recedes a little bit as you get into the songs, but that there is a sense of this as like there is a a part of the band that is playing kind of rock songs for which one or maybe two guitarists would suffice, and then there's a kind of uh, orthogonal band that is the all guitar string ensemble that is just writing kind of guitar compositions um, for four guitars, right? And and these two bands um, uh, were double are double booked. They're they're or they're like conjoined twins. <laughs> um, so like they're conjoined non identical twins. <laughs> um, and 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 so you have forever this kind of um, this kind of garage, for lack of a better word, it's kind of a garagey band um, and garage because it kind of occupies that nether space between punk and other kinds of hard rock. Um, and uh, and and uh, it's not it's not for, firmly punk, but it's not firmly kind of heavy metal or hard rock. And it kind of lives in this um, kind of stewy place. Um, and but then and then you have the um, the kind of more kind of the guitar, the new music kind of guitar society uh, that is pri- primarily performing kind of these these like interlocking um, guitar solos, right? Um, and, and I think that what you 
this, and, 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 I, yeah, this, yeah, that's interesting. I want to, I want to at least stick a pin in that if you want to cash out the rest of your point, but, uh, yeah, yeah. what you're saying is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I think that the only, I, I think what is interesting is the, you know, that these don't, I mean, and I think one thing uh, would be interesting to kind of dive into more, a kind of a thing that uh, I would love to open up to you guys as we return to this, is, you know, whether we can kind of, because there is a sense of um, slightly different kind of, you know, one one thing that it opens up is that, you know, not every... not every guitar solo is the same and not every guitar soloist is the same. Right. And so usually in any given band with an amazing kind of, um, guitarist who, who really has this kind of, uh, is a virtual virtuosic solo, you have one kind of solo. And even, you know, there's, there's a variety of different kinds of great solos by, by great guitarists. Um, but that there, you can kind of, especially if you are really, um, you listen, you can kind of recognize some of the styles, right. And, and like really adept listeners could kind of pick out, you know, this is Van Halen, this is Slash, um, you know, this is, um, you know, uh, this is whoever, um, and and I think that as a result, you're right. You get kind of a band has a specific kind of guitar sound um, in the in the solo sound. But that by having four guitarists, um, all of you, all of any of whom could um, be lead, any of whom could solo. Um, that it, that uh, it then allows there to be many different styles, right? And and um, it's hard to this is like a hard thing to talk about, and we could return to this as we talk about some of the um, songs. But kind of thinking about um, ways in which you have um, varieties of of guitar soloing um, interacting with each other and in dialogue with your, with each other is, I think, where the um, the value comes in, right? And, and I think that's where there is something musically interesting um, is that uh, beyond the kind of spectrum and beyond the kind of um, kind of participatory part where we're having more people on stage, especially if they often play these like tiny venues, like house shows and other DIY spaces with a level of kind of intensity and volume um, uh, befitting a stadium. Right. And right. so it, it creates something that's that itself is kind of um, uh, a is, is part of the piece. Um, but I think that there is, you know, all of these guitarists are, are kind of strong in their own right and have their own styles. And so it's a rare kind of I mean, it's it's a guitar supergroup, right? Uh, in, in a way, um, and you have often supergroups um, are either like you know when you think of like the new pornographers, which is often billed as a supergroup. It has many kind of distinct songwriters uh, who trade singing songwriting duties, or um, bands like Wild Flag, uh, uh, which uh, had Mary Timoney um, and Janet Weiss from Slater Kinney, or sorry, um, uh, Janet Weiss and uh, Carrie Brownstein from Slater Kinney and Mary Timoney um, from a variety of projects, right, that, that you have kind of instrumentalists from various projects. But this is like a super group of this is like a, a fantasy guitar league is, is, yeah. is, is, uh, is, is what you kind of get here. Um, and it, it imagines uh, if you could draft a rock team uh, with all guitarists. Right? Uh, and, and that's kind of, that's kind of what, um, what diarrhea play. Like. That, that would be like, that would be it, like yeah. playing eight bit Nintendo hockey with like, uh, you know, all skinny guys, right? Like you right. get, you get knocked out of the rink by the other team's fat guys, you know? 
uh, it yeah, would but, be very but, hard. But 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 you you're at this point you're going for style points, right? <laughs> like, so I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, what you're talking about uh, this sort of different guitar sounds. Um, there are also sort of different guitar modalities, right? There's like strumming chucka 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 guitar. There's riff based guitar. There's kind of uh, uh, almost art music-y style guitar. There's you know lead line guitar, sort of virtuoso guitar. And what can happen in in this situation is that they can be all they can happen all all together all the guitar modalities uh at at the same time um you know not just a variety of sounds created by different instruments and different strings and different amplifiers and and uh processing along the signal chain but also just sort of different methods of practice uh happening happening simultaneously and it kind of it makes the songs or it makes the band maybe a little unclassifiable but the thing that the thing that you were sort of talking about in terms of being a punk band or being in kind of a stewy place uh that is not not firmly punk you know not i mean like if you you know if you just imagine the song's music as just an un undifferentiated liquid flow you know <laughs> it's a it's a chunky flow uh with you know little chunks of pl- punk little chunks of classic rock little chunks of hard rock uh you know there's a, a a slightly different image than the one uh than the one Ryan used. But the, the thing that, like, an observation, uh, a little orthogonal to this, but I'll co- connect it up, is that, like, in, in being, you know, both a kind of a lo-fi DIY band and a sort of high art, high concept um, art music band, I think that there is a, you know, there's a, um, we've talked before, we actually haven't uh, brought out this dead horse to beat for a little while, so it's probably good. Um, uh, it's probably good that, that I have the opportunity now. We've talked a little bit before about the the difference be- about a dichotomy between folk musics and art musics, right? Uh, belonging to uh, the dance hall and the concert hall, uh, let's say, right? And that, um, or the you know the the like the block party in the concert hall or something like that. And it's it's interesting to me that both both folk musics and art musics have an avant garde that tends towards noise rock. Right, the sort of post the uh, the post war European avant garde uh, converged on you know minimalism, um, you know post post tonal music, uh, minimalism, and a kind of um, a, a, you know a kind of non diatonic noise music practice, right? And the the. Uh, the punk music um like rock and roll has an avant-garde that sort of comes to the same place of sort of non um you know non-classifiable uh unclassifiable i should say um noise uh noise music so so it's i mean it's interesting well you you know what you would call that place where the uh folk music and the art music meet What's that? It's fart. It's fart music. <laughs> <laughs> there, there. I mean, I feel like we should almost stop the episode now because we're not going to top. We're not going to top that. But uh, yeah, can I jump in? That, that sounds like a challenge. Uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Mark. Okay, we, we will continue our, our sort of poop and fart related humor in a moment. But I want to challenge uh, or just interrogate a little more this notion of art music that you're invoking here with this in particular with the with relation to the avant-garde uh, stylings, po- post-war stylings of America and Europe, like you're, like you're talking about. Um, because um, art music isn't really what I thought of when I heard this. Every, you know, the, 
you know, everything is highly melodic, um, you know, follows sort of, you know, established structures, predominantly follows very you know, established structures of, of harmony that you would expect from, you know, sort of a classic rock metal type of sound. Um, here and there, it does dive into noise territory or something like very hardcore. I believe at the, towards, at the, at the end of Hot Topic, it just has this like really massive breakdown. Um, but still sort of stays within the boundaries of, you know, of, of chords and time signatures that we would recognize. So, Matt, can you uh, tease out a little bit more the artsiness of this project? Because I don't really I don't really detect it in the way that you're you're talking about. Sure. It. Fair enough. And, and I think you're right in the sort of the song structures, which are, you know, pretty stock straight down the middle rock and roll song structures in the harmonic progressions and things like this. It's not it's a you know, it's a, definitely a rock and roll record. I guess the the reference to art music to me comes from uh, the was kind of an association to what Ryan described as the string ensemble nature of the band and how how heavily orchestrated it, it would have to be in order to be successful. Right. That the that you can't um you can't just kind of do your own thing right you can't have yeah, a sort yeah. of uh a complete sort of liberation and sort of of breakdown it wouldn't i mean it wouldn't work it would it would become unfocused uh you know and it would become it would become sort of it would become sort of free jazz, right? Which, by the way, is an art music with you know with roots in the the post war European avant garde, uh, and also in you know Afri- the kind of African American tradition of jazz. But but it's not that it's not that, and sort of the technical virtuosity and the kind of collaboration and agreement, the orchestration that you need is that that's the concert hall piece. Um, for me. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that you see this, and I, I've not yet had the opportunity to see Diarrhea Planet play live. I believe they are touring; will be touring soon um, on this album. And it's, it's, you know, from what I've heard, um, both from friends who've seen them and from what's written, is that it's a must-see live show. Um, I mean, just again for the kind of reasons of spectacle um, that I've uh, that we were talking about. Um, a, a kind of good preview, but a kind of slightly more sedate version is that they played. Uh, they made their TV de- debut recently on. Um, I believe it was on. Seth Myers, um, and uh, and you can see exactly that kind of uh, orchestration there, especially kind of in the back part of the song. I mean, they played the motorcycle song. They played uh, "Ain't a Sin to Win," um, and 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 everyone gets their solo, right? Uh, and and that and I think that as Matt was saying, is that there is a sense of kind of composition and form uh, and and form there, right? So yeah. like, and, and so that and and again, just like the act. Right, just the this kind of act of having the the four guitarists is this kind of um, you know that that pushes it into a realm of conceptual art itself. I mean, uh, and it's it's it is interesting, right? It's the ways in which you know I, I think in that way it's actually similar. Um, in a lot of ways to uh, Andrew W.K., right? Because um, Andrew W.K. is someone who, especially when you first hear Party Hard, like, oh, this is like the dumbest, this is the buddiest of the butt rock. Um, and then you kind of engage uh, with with uh, that record um, um, and with... Um, 
and with his body of work more generally and kind of everything that, he, that he's doing, as you see that there's a lot more of these kinds of conceptual pieces and performance pieces um, and that there is um, there's more than a little head in that butt rock. I hear that, yeah. <laughs> so, so likewise, right, you, you think you hear there's a band with four guitars and then you roll your eyes, oh my gosh, that's so self-indulgent. Um, but uh, well, yes, it is self-indulgent and, you know, just utterly glorifying of, of the guitar. And yet there is this sort of uh, broader artistic statement that's, that's going on. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. Well, and there's just a. I mean, there's a there's a sense of of it being deliberately confounding, right? <laughs> that, that there is. Uh, you say with a name like Diarrhea Planet, it's <laughs> deliberately confounding. Okay, okay I, yeah, we should we should talk about. It. I mean, we should talk about that a, li- uh, a little bit because I think the positioning, I think the positioning here is important, right? Because they're not just they're not just a garage band or a. a uh, indie DIY lo-fi band. Um, and in fact, they're not that, I mean, like they, they bring a level. They're they're not, they're not anymore. Right. Like, I mean, but this was going to let's just say Diarrhea Planet has sold out. This, that was going to be my question. <laughs> that was going to be my question. If I had been able to kind of shoehorn in ahead of you, it's that are we like catching them in the moment of selling out? You know, and and I think the answer has to be yes. But it's not. I don't know. I I don't think the music is worse for it, which is what it's about after all. But uh, and it's it's about like let's see how big Diarrhea like <laughs> like we'll, pretty soon we will all be living on Diarrhea Planet Planet. Right. Like I would love for Diarrhea Planet to be bigger than Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would well, go be, ahead, Matt. Yeah. I, I would just love to hear all the like the great eminences of the music business, right? Announce Diarrhea Planet at the Grammys. And <laughs> you know, wouldn't it you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if yeah, Paul, uh, Paul McCartney's presenting um 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 and the Grammy for Best New Artist of the Year goes to Diarrhea Planet. That's a terrible. I, I, I'm, I'm excited for like uh, you know like uh, like Stevie Wonder to sing some Diarrhea Planet songs. <laughs> but because he always they always bring him out. He's always singing some uh, some some of the nominees, right? Yeah, he does a collaboration. He does a collaboration. Like I I uh, it's actually one of one of the worst one of the the times I've been angriest at the television and wanted to throw something on it was uh, throw something at it was. Um, uh, it was several years ago, but it was at the Grammys or a music award show, and Stevie Wonder was playing with the Jonas Brothers. I remember and, that. Yeah, yeah and uh, and you know they finished their stupid the lyric, or uh, maybe they're playing. Um, a Stevie Wonder song, in which case it's not a stupid song, but whatever. They finish their stupid whatever they're doing. And then one of them has the temerity to shout before Stevie Wonder's solo. Come on, Stevie, show us what you got. As though Stevie fucking Wonder had anything to prove to the Jonas Brothers. You know, I, I nearly, I, I mean, I nearly broke the television by throwing my shoe at it or, or, or something like that. But setting, setting all that, setting all that aside, I mean, Stevie might, might pick up a guitar to, you know, to play with Diarrhea Planet. Um, but, uh, uh, setting all that aside, right? Like, I think that kind of the deliberately confounding, the deliberately stupid, uh, sort of provocatively stupid and juvenile, uh, name is important, right? Because despite, uh, despite the fact that they have, uh, they're good players, right? And like, uh, there's a BuzzFeed article that is a profile of them that we'll uh we'll put in the the uh links the links in the show notes for this episode um which you can find on the homepage of overthinking it just go there find uh find this episode and click the button for show notes uh that's underneath it um 
that uh you know uh they're they're virtuosic actually like a, a a few people in the band are involved in like building instruments and are like really technically uh really technically into um guitars and amplifiers and and things like this right like um the the, the uh so what is the sophomoricness about it's you know it's not like they're kids who can't play who are just sort of thumbing their nose at the world and saying fuck you and kind of making a making a noise that like is uh you know insistence that they are here um, and and that you have to sort of cope with them. Well, I think that it has to do with they're not just like uh, an indie act. They're an indie act that formed in Nashville, right? In this, the, the seat, like the crown jewel of the uh, uh, factory model, right? Assembly line model, um, song construction music business, right? Like it's, it's, uh, uh, like Nashville is like the Brill building, but it's like Brill city, you know, there, there are, it's not like there are, uh, songwriters and orchestrators and recording studios in the same building. It's like, there's a building of writers next to a building of orchestrators next to a building of studio music musicians next to uh you know a building of recording studios next to a building of warehouses to rehearse your yeah. your your tour and this sort of like this highly uh uh highly regimented assembly line model of commercial music production is what is the sort of the dominant form in the city at least on on the national scale and so like if you're going to be a scene th- this is a way of kind of declaring your independence uh independence from that at least that's what i hear going on mark what do you think yeah yeah, yeah. So, so one quick aside on national I, I i was actually there fairly recently and what you described matt is exactly correct like there's this a long row i can't remember exactly musicians row um uh music row music uh music street something like uh really on the nose like that you just drive down and uh it's not like you know large office space type of buildings but like things that look almost like old uh, suburban homes um and just like House after house, building after building after building after building is recording studio, uh, you know, music office. Just uh, that the, the it, is, it is the machinery on display there. And I think you're uh, hitting it on, on the head, Matt, when you're saying that a name like Diet Rio Planet, um, that is deliberately stupid, is a declaration of independence away um, from all of that. And I think that's also really well evinced in the one song that we have the lyrics to um so we can we can do a little bit of a closer reading of the uh, of the song bob dylan's grandma and i think what's going on with like the lyrics that we have here and the name of diarrhea planet is this over uh, you know there's a sense of rebellion against you know this the highly structured uh, highly polished uh, um music business like you're talking about in in, in nashville but there's this uh call the sense of exuberance of uh free spirit of youthful play that's going on. Um, and in the song, Bob Dylan's, uh, grandma, which will explain that reference in just a second. The lyrics start off immediately and says back in the sixth grade, I heard Jimmy plays Monterey, Jimmy Hendrix at uh, live at, at, at Monterey. And, um, and we'll, I'll, I'll go into some of the references, uh, that, that, that it goes into, but like immediately off the bat, right. I am in sixth grade. I am what, like 10 years old. Um, I have this lack of sophistication, um, that leads me to call, um, my 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 band Diarrhea Planet. I have this utter enthusiasm for guitar music that uh, that a sixth grader would have listened to Jimi Hendrix for the first time. That has caused me to uh, will abandon to existence with four guitars. Um, just a quick like just touching on that. Is this actually reminds me of like for me 
I, I don't know that I heard that specific uh, tape in sixth grade, but definitely sixth grade and seventh grade were for me the time of <clears throat> Jimi Hendrix, of Zeppelin, um, uh, especially those those were kind of two big ones. Um, at that time. Um, and then even my band of middle school who never actually, I think we played like a couple of times. Uh, we, 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 one of the things we did was sit around brainstorming names. And I know that one of our names was shaft colon, the anal assault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah. Uh, and, and sounds like you can one, relate to this, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is I very much relate. Um, and, uh, and that there is something about both, the this kind of sophomoric virtuosity right um and there and, and there's this kind of coexisting of both wanting to be good and finding a freedom in being good um and being inspired by virtuosity um but it also being kind of filled with with dumb hormones yeah, right? yeah. So, uh, and, and and that battle yeah. yeah so drilling down further into this song here the lyrics i think are deliberately juvenile and dumb uh i, I with the name if they named the band diarrhea planet um they're gotta be and they play as well as they do there's quite a good bit of self-awareness going on here but just to reel off a few more of these sort of like juvenile um, concepts going on here. Um, it had been my dream to race F1 or fly F16s. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like a sixth grader, that's, that sounds like a fantasy there. Um, uh, I got the next best thing to cut my teeth on these six strings. I'll get a Stratocaster and practice till my fingers bleed. And, and that's a couple of things, right? One, it's a horrible cliche in, in, in rock and roll, uh, in the parlance of rock and roll to play guitar till your fingers bleed. And it's, of course, a direct, uh, um, directly what Brian Adams said in the summer of 69, right? Played it to him. I got my first little six string, blah, 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 played it till my fingers bleed. Um, but it's also a very true thing that happens when you're 10, you're 12, when you're very young like that, a teenager, um, and obsessed with the guitar. You do play it till your fingers bleed. That's what happened to me. Um, it's, it's not just a cliche. Um, and let's is that, see what is I, that when you built up the calluses that have lasted you that you've not uh, you've not let you know um, you've not let soften until this day? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and then one other thing I'll, 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 I'll throw out there is this idea of a monolithic crates of vacuum tubes. So um, if you're not a guitar player, you might not recognize the reference there, which is that um, the uh, platonic ideal of the guitar amplifier it actually has vacuum tubes, old school vacuum tubes on the back of it, in the place of, uh, quote-unquote, solid-state transistors. Um, this has the effect of making the amp heavier, uh, more expensive than a solid-state uh, counterpart. Um, but there is this common sense among guitarists that a vacuum-tube-based guitar amplifier has a better, richer, warmer tone. Um, when on paper, just if you draw the circuit board diagram, there should not be any difference at all, um, and but I. There's will... also solid state. Uh, solid state applies some level of like very high resolution, but some level of quantization, right? Like there's some uh, kind of discrete uh, sampling that goes on, whereas a, a vacuum tube is an entirely analog sound. Maybe I'm totally wrong about that. Let me. Uh, I'm going to look up some technology while you finish your point. Yeah, and I just you know, as a guitarist of that age, like I, I bought into that as well. And when you you, you have this image here of a monolithic crate. Uh, monolith crates of vacuum tubes um what you're talking about there is this kind of gear fetish going on where you know you're it's like boys with toys right they want to have this very specific type of gear and then you have the 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 fantasy element going on of uh of what you see like the, the concert backline right the stacks the marshall stacks um stacks of amplifiers stacks of speakers um that 
it, it really speaks to a, a youthful power fantasy, um, and, you know, as does having a band with four guitars in it. So it all really comes together for me in this in this song and in, in, in its lyrics in particular and the, the musically as well too the again the, the same sort of you know um uh, uh interesting combination of of virtuosic guitar that's going on so um this song really does combine all the elements that we're talking about uh, i have a few quick questions i mean you said you wanted to talk about the title reference um i know you did a little bit of research um what is the kind of bob dylan's grandma um oh yeah so um in the album, Jimi Hendrix, you know, live at Monterey, um, at towards the, after he plays Hey Joe, he just has this um, throwaway stage banter. He's like, hey, how are you cats are doing out there? You know, uh, uh, whatever. No running on the bass. Uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix on the guitar. And, 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 and then he says, just throws out there, uh, Bob Dylan's grandma on the, uh, on the drums. Like out of nowhere, right? Bob Dylan's grandmother on the drums is, is he shouts out to the, the non-existent. Uh, drummer in in the band and so that's why it says bob dylan's grandma holding down the twos and fours uh, re- referring to what the drummer does you know the, uh, laying down the the backbeat on two and four um, and, and i actually love that because it's you know talking about this kind of way of listening to this this kind of obsessive kind of adolescent way of listening to this yeah. there are things that i listened to at that era where i know the stage band like live albums um or or like rap albums with skits um right like uh, i was recently listening to um uh, uh the the chronic dr dre's the chronic and i know the words of many of the skits uh <laughs> right because um, i kind of got it at that exact same time and i just listen to it all um you know whereas now i might get something like that and it's like Ugh, it's the like here's this part i want to skip it you know like skip yeah, to the next yeah. track right so, um so on yeah. the surface it seems like just a completely ridiculous concept right like uh um something that a a silly s- sixth grader would title a song bob dylan's grandma <laughs> how silly is that in reality it's, it's making a, a very obscure reference to something in, in Jimi hendrix and again speaks of the larger artistic project of the uh of the, of the album there's one other lyric I would love to ask you guys about um, that comes near the end um, uh, because I think that it puts a little bit of a, a twist on on this and and uh, kind of like um, looks backward towards the rest of the song. So um, at the end, um, he says, "Until uh, or, so, actually, I'll go one step faster." Right? So I guess, I mean, I guess. Uh, so he says, "I'll get a Stratocaster and practice till my fingers bleed." The metronome ticks faster, counting down from nine to three. Until my arthritic hands can't paint the exit in if I don't see the end. Um, and then it, it, it rejoins, if I don't see the end, throw my guitars into the Cumberland. Right. And so I think I specifically like so I, I kind of am getting the like so what is the like can't paint paint the exit in um and I don't see the end? Is that is there is there some guitar uh slang um in kind of painting the exit in or is is it kind of meant to be uh, evocative? I guess I, I had a question is like is there a slang this useful little gloss or do we kind of read this not like, not that i'm aware of i i asked my uh, i asked my friend wikipedia uh the exit inn is a music v- venue in nashville tennessee uh ah. located and and so there is a um there is a uh, a list of bands that have played there where they paint their names on the wall when you play the ah, exit in. There you go. Ah. So it's like until he gets too old to you know p- uh, paint his name, like to you know scrawl his name on the wall in the in the um, the hometown in his hometown. Got it. And and the Cumberland, you probably knew this, but I'm it, I'm uh, the Cumberland is the Cumberland the River, river. yeah, in Kentucky and Tennessee. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, and that is fascinating then. So that that this is about the level of success. I mean, this is interesting, right? What this actually makes me think of is another um uh, another kind of dreams, uh, adol- a set of adolescent dreams that we've um, that we've talked about uh, on this very podcast of the best ever death metal band out of Denton, right? And the, des- the best ever death metal band out of Denton from um, uh, the Malkins All Hell West Texas, they had um, you know dreams of of, of Learjets, right, uh, of fortune and fame, mm-hmm. which is always I've always found to be really interesting, right? Because death metal bands never ride in, in, in Learjets. Right, death metal, even at its most popular, is a kind of niche subgenre. Um, and I always found this idea of, of kind of, you know, um, uh, of, of both hailing Satan but wanting the fame of a motley crew to be a really interesting tension there. Um, but here, the kind of aim is much more modest than the um, than, uh, than than Cyrus and Jeff of the best ever uh, uh, best ever death metal band uh, Denton, which is kind of. Um, is this kind of local success, right? And then right. it's a local success and local failure, um, and uh, and which is is funny because this is a uh, the a song on an album that is uh, obtaining kind of you know kind of crossing over to indie mainstreamness, you know, is um, you know is is leading to TV appearances, probably higher up those um, those festival bills uh, and so on, and yet the kind of the kind of character study here is is um of a of a moment in time right and so it's it's this almost like alternative path of what if what, it's in a world without diarrhea planet um you like you give up the dream right so like diarrhea planet is living the dream right um uh and 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 then some right and uh without that you kind of you give it up right and 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 the guitar was something that you used to do yeah and and but and at the risk of stating the obvious, right, this again speaks to the duality of the artistic project here, right? With everything starts out here, youthful exuberance, guitars, plates on my fingers bleed, and then as you know, to get towards the end, you have this concept of arthritic hands coming in, and then this notion of like, if we don't make it, if this all fails, I'm just gonna chuck my guitars all into the river. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think you know, I, I maybe pivoting a little bit. I think I. I, like the other thing I want to talk about uh, are uh, motorcycles, uh, right? Like, so if this is like you know, um, and Bob Dylan's grandma um, is de- definitely one of the songs that jumps out at you, and right, and name checks um, Stratocasters, name name checks guitars, name checks um, kind of all these like rock tropes. I think the another song that really jumps out at you on the first spin, um, and is obviously is the one that they played on um, on on late night TV, uh, is is the one about is. is about motorcycles, right? Starts with a motorcycle noise. Name checks uh, a number of motorcycle um, uh, brands, um, and and I mean, you know, uh, I don't know. I, how did this song grab you guys? And what kind of? I mean, other than the kind of these kinds of connections between um, th- both motorcycles and guitars as kind of subjects of adolescent uh, power fantasies, was there anything that kind of grabbed either of you you guys about um, about that particular? Song? Well, it's in it's in Bob Dylan's grandma uh, as well, like uh, Formula One or F sixteen, right? Yeah. Like you know, race cars, fighter jets, motor you know motorcycles, and then the the um, you know the, those lyrics kind of put that to to the guitar that all that right all that um, 
uh, all that uh, longing, right? All that fantasy is sublimated into the the drive to learn and master, to sort of learn and and master the guitar. You know, I don't know. Like, I I think um, I think the thing about uh, the thing about let me back up. Um, the word sophomoric, which Ryan, which Ryan used before, is an interesting word because the two, the two Greek roots, this is sort of a folk etymology, but, but it was kind of modeled on these two uh, Greek roots, sophos and moros, meaning wise and stupid, right? So a sophomore mm. is a wise, stupid person. You know, has, has in other words, a sophomore just has, has something sophomoric is just enough knowledge to be dangerous, right? And and it strikes me that like that motorcycles sort of combine. You, you know, you got to learn to ride uh, a motorcycle, right? Like, uh, and it's not it's not totally intuitive. It you know it takes a minute to to learn, um, and yet you can be very stupid, on, <laughs> right, on a motorcycle. And this uh, this sense of of even very limited you know technical knowledge and expertise combined with you know, evil Knievel type stunts and stupidity and kind of the image of like, uh, the image of freedom of, you know, 900 cubic centimeters of raw whining power, no outstanding warrants for our arrest. Um, that this is sophomoric. There's some more, there's some more mountain goats, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like this is sophomoric, right? This is a, a combination uh, of the wise, of the technically excellent and the sort of the stupid, the slightly self-destructive, the fantastical, uh, the the um, the grandiose right and that uh, that in that sense sort of motorcycles and rock and roll uh, have a lot to do with each other yeah um, we should also call it the obvious reference to the Motley Crue song we called out Motley Crue earlier uh, girls 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 right um, that song uh, famously starts off with the sound of a revving uh, motorcycle engine and is uh, a very sophomore song, right? Uh, technically very, very impressive, but, um, utterly in the gutter in terms of its, uh, in terms of its subject matter and also very famously its music video, which takes place in a strip club. Um, so, uh, I, I think, uh, that motorcycles uh, sounds starting off at, at the beginning of a of a banging rock song. Is, that used is a pretty to be reference. that used to be like a uh, like a sophomoric and edgy way to to do a music video. Now, like strip clubs are where uh, you know every scene in an HBO prestige drama <laughs> takes place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where the uh, where the middle aged men go to talk about uh, about the the crimes and business deals that are that are going on in their lives, right? And kind of be uh, uh, disinterested in the flesh that's displayed before them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. What, what, like, we should talk about motorcycles for a second, Matt. I think uh, you posted a picture of yourself on a motorcycle. Um, uh, you're gonna rev in the engine and feeling youthful exuberance. And, yes, I, and, and being sophomoric on the bike itself. I do. Well, I, I try not to be sophomoric on the bike. I'm old enough to know that that's a terrible idea. But yes, I do own a motorcycle and do enjoy riding it. Um, and like, does it give you that sense of like youthful rebellion that these songs are trying to evoke? In, in uh, that both, both these songs, both the, the Diarrhea Planet and the Motley Crue song, are trying to evoke. You know. Like, uh, let me just, let me just be real for a second here. Like the thing I like about riding the motorcycle and sort of going fast and like, uh, you know, navigating and, and riding is that, um, my mind is entirely on it, you know, that there's not really distraction, 
Mm. and if the, if there is, you'll get into serious trouble if you're distracted and try to. Oh yeah, yeah. You reminded me of uh, a question that Ryan posed earlier about uh, whether you could listen to music while riding a motorcycle. Uh, let me let me tell you, just as a public service announcement, um, I was I, I was not stopped on the motorcycle, but I was stopped on my bicycle. And uh, you can't operate any sort of vehicle, and this includes a bicycle with two headphones in. I had been, I had just done like an hour long ride. This is in California, right? This yeah, is this, this is jurisdiction specific. Yeah, and I'm sure, but I'm sure there are laws tantamount to this in some uh, in other jurisdictions. So really, check your check your local laws before you get on your motorcycle or your bicycle or or in the car. So in California, you cannot uh, have. Uh, Earphones, anything that covers both of the ears at the same time. You can wear one, uh, like a hands free, like a corded, you know, single phone, hands free, uh, telephone device, right? Or just one of your earbuds in your ear with the microphone and stuff like that. I mean, that's to sort of put hands free phones on, or you can use like a Bluetooth thing, but you can't, uh, can't do both. And I was stopped on a bicycle by a cop on a motorcycle and written the stupidest chicken shit $200 ticket <laughs> in the history of man uh for having two after coming off the uh, coming off the bike path for when i like you emerge from the bike path onto the road and i ride the like the last four blocks back home um and those in those last four blocks i got stopped by by a cop and it cost me 200 like more than the cost of my bike <laughs> you know uh to to do this so public service announcement like if you're going if you're going to do it get some kind of bluetooth speaker or uh or or <laughs> i don't know uh hide it hide it oh somehow right? matt that story that you just told is like the antithesis of a rock and roll power fantasy <laughs> yeah that was it was like, written a ticket while on a bike <laughs> listen to well, yeah and You're i get, listen to a podcast i get pulled time. over i get pulled over by a cop on a bicycle like on a busy street and i'm standing there with my bicycle and like a little crowd of people gathers right like in all you know in like a sidewalk cafe or on the balcony of an apartment above me or like just on the corner down at the end of the block or things like this and i am i'm sure this object of of ridicule and scorn so yes it is the opposite of an adolescent rock and roll power fantasy of being a, of being a guitar god uh, but, but- i'm afraid you know what else comes to mind? We're talking about guitar gods and the motorcycle is Prince. Yeah, Purple sure. Rain, yeah, right? yeah now, absolutely. I am, I am ashamed right? to admit that I have never seen the movie Purple Rain. I am only familiar with well, the leave imagery. This, leave this recording now and walk. Run, do not walk to Amazon uh, Amazon streaming video and and uh, meet us back here in two hours. <laughs> um, like, you know, not for not for nothing, but uh, among the many many, and I, I say this not to trivialize. I, I mean this. I don't mean to trivialize either thing by comparing them. But among the the many many sad things uh with the loss of prince is the fact that we will never see a prince diarrhea planet uh collaboration oh my gosh yeah actually yeah prince will never walk out with the fifth guitar just just you know uh as a surprise drop into a diarrhea planet show and that's that's like this is always always play good always do guitar solos with your heroes because like (laughs) you know like you don't know when uh you know you don't know when they'll pass right um and i mean you do see this you know it's funny you say this um there was a video i think i maybe talked about this on here um 
before, uh, but there was a video that circulated um, shortly, um, you know, somewhere around day 11 of Prince's, Prince's death day 11 uh, or whichever day um, of when kind of all kinds of footage surfaced. Um, one that w- really captured my attention was from the um, SNL um, 40th uh, anniversary uh, after party, um, which was a rendition of Let's Go Crazy. This is very like slowed down kind of bluesy um, version. Yeah, I know the one. Um, of of that and uh, and it featured like so a lot of uh, a lot of people I think Haim was on the stage uh, a lot of the SNL cast members uh, and it, it kind of showed this kind of glory uh, of um, Prince kind of as this surprise performer right and as this kind of uh, as this kind of impromptu collaborator um, and and so you really do see the sense of um, of that kind of being really uh, really like something that could could have worked. Yeah, I mean, okay. So we're talking about Prince, talking about Heim, um, and uh, and you know, Motley Crue. We talked about you know these different um, uh, pieces of the guitar-based rock universe that's out there, right? And so, um, you know, how do where do we map Diarrhea Planet? Where does Diarrhea Planet fall in the in in the universe in our star map out there? Uh, you know, uh, they're, as you mentioned before, Ryan, like they're still like this sort of like indie rock, like daring to try to creep into the mainstream. Um, but the mainstream doesn't seem to really have a place for, for this type of act, right? That where, uh, uh, guitar based rock these days is, is either has, you know, these sort of like hard rock metal corners of things, which is, uh, frankly, mostly dominated by butt rock. Um, and then, um, indie, uh, uh, indie corners, which lack a lot of the hard edges of something like, like Diarrhea Planet, right? Do they have a place to, to enter into the mainstream rock or are they just going to kind of uh, live as a world unto themselves as it were? An, an entire planet, you mean? Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, if you, if we kind of see there being a scene that like that that rises <laughs> the, 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 let's just say that the diarrhea tide lifts all the rising diarrhea tide lifts all boats <laughs> um and that uh i i think that the way that this could uh that this could play out um is that you know we talked a little bit about punkishness um but before that that there is I think that the bands that Diary Planet plays with and the venues they play with are part of um, a, there's kind of an ongoing emo and pop punk revival. Um, and even hmm. though they're, they're not particularly emo, um, there's enough of an affinity there for bands that are dredging up kind of pre-Panic at the Disco, kind of uh, pre-Fallout Boy, pre-Newfound Glory, kind of late 90s emo, um, that uh, is, I think, and that these bands are um, getting... Um, like in- increasingly large, um, and and there, uh, we've not talked about any of these bands. Um, I don't know if we will, but there's actually new albums by a lot of these bands right now. A um, band from Philadelphia called Modern Baseball, um, a band from uh, uh, Toronto called Pup, um, and a band from Massachusetts called The Hotelier. Uh, and they're all kind of. I could imagine a world where um, where where those bands start to uh, pick up the kind of crossover appeal of like easily kind of you know early 2000s emo um or even you know in a weird sense with the right kind of viral video um the right kind of um 
you know, uh, uh, kind of cross cross branding, um, something that even approaches something like um, like what happened with grunge and alternative music in the '90s, right? So that that there is there is enough of a scene that is getting kind of past kind of niche scenes, right? We're well past our right. kind of little but niche. A, venues, a question yeah. for you, Ryan is: that any of these acts have the same anything approaching the same level of guitar heroics that Diarrhea Planet does? No, not not at all. Um, but I mean, you know, the, you think about like, um, you know, again, I mean, I think that if it becomes in the world that it becomes big, I guess like, you know, that I think Diarrhea Planet would be like the sound garden of <laughs> of of of, of uh, like a, a, a kind of of a new alternative mo- movement. Um, and there would be other kind of bands that are that are the Nirvana um, and are these Stone Temple Pilots. Um, and then, you know, inevitably there would be a, a semi semi sonic uh, of our day and age uh, and a bush. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure there is already there's a lot of bushes. Um, um, uh, <laughs> and, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of bushes, fewer Nirvanas. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I, I, like I compare, um, Diarrhea Planet to, um, to Soundgarden cause they were like of the bands of the kind of, uh, the Seattle wave, um, that kind of broke in the nineties had a lot of the like biggest kind of, uh, connections to kind of, um, more classic rock and kind of more kind of guitar, like, like more, they broke less with the kind of dominant rock of the of the late 80s um and it still was grittier it was darker um but there were like it it was uh you know as much as um you know Kirk Cobain was a gifted guitarist it was in certain modes of these kinds of 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 these kinds of modes of performance that I was talking about and the kind of lead virtuosic soloing was not was not one of them so I think that um I, I agree that it's not going to be a um you know, a planet of diarrhea planets, but that, that, um, you could imagine that there is a, a scene, um, of which, uh, of which diarrhea planet is, uh, is a part. Um, I see that. Um, that's one of the things I I think we're, we're about to start to wrap up here. And I want to make sure I get this, this thought in here, um, because I, I keep talking about these, this sense of guitar heroics and the virtuosity going on here, because it really takes me back to a time of my life when I lived for shred, <laughs> like the like the the highlight of any given day was hearing a face melting guitar solo, um, and like you know I, I don't necessarily you know listen to that type of music so often um, in uh, in my day to day music listening habits, but um, I remember a certain part of my youth um, that uh, really responded very strongly to this particular type of music. And I love this idea that like a good, like a great guitar solo could, could change the world, <laughs> you know, it could be a life, a, a life changing event. And, uh, if diarrhea planet is that band for some 12 year old out there somewhere, then, uh, I'm, I'm happy that they exist and they do what they do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. And so that, um, that kind of wraps our, our discussion on, uh, diarrhea planet. You know, this was, uh, as, as a note, um, you know, a little later on a close lyrical reading um, than many of our other episodes, in part because uh, Bob Dylan's Grandma is the only song from this album that is on Genius, um, and I could not find lyrics on any of the other lyric nope. sites, um, and and so they're not there. So this is this is one of those rare, um, you know, 
so even though um, the there is a, our, our, you know, we're on the the long slow march to becoming a diarrhea planet, um, it is it is still in the early stages. Um, and so that uh, you know, if you want to kind of dig into the lyrics after you listen to this, um, you know, pick up the album. It's on vinyl. I assume there may be a lyric sheet. If you have the album on vinyl or another format, um, and you have the lyric sheet, um, take some pictures, uh, post them to us on on social media on Facebook. Uh, we're Theory for Turntables. We're TFT Podcast on uh, on Twitter, um, uh, or go ahead and post them in. Um, post a link in uh, if, you, if you take a photo, uh, post them somewhere uh, on the show notes at Overthinking It, um, and we can kind of continue the conversation of um, of the lyrics, uh, how the lyrics interact with the music, uh, with with kind of the various points of reference and inspiration. Uh, and a lot of the other things uh, to discuss here. Uh, we can share um, live field notes from when diarrhea, when the diarrhea planet surges its way uh, to, um, uh, to to our towns, uh, and we'll just kind of keep the discussion going. Um, so until then, uh, whether it's up to your knees or up to your neck, just know that we will keep it real.